This morning, if you've got your Bibles, turn over to Proverbs chapter 3. Just two verses. How long could I preach with just two verses? How long could I preach? So uh, I pray the answer is short. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And, and we're going to, we really, we're going to encourage our young people, and everyone's encouraged by this this morning, but particularly we want to tra- challenge our young people with these two verses. And it says in verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I want you to think of just three words today. If you can remember these three words the rest of your life, and you live by them, you'll have no problems. God will take care of it all. Keep God first. Keep God first. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that God, you love us, and God, that your hand is upon each and every person here. But Lord, you've got a special plan for these young people. And God, if they'll just realize that you're already at work in their life, if they don't want to just wait, Lord, to put you down the road some other time, but God, now is the time that you want to work and move in their life. And God, you want to speak to them. You want to help them. You want to direct their steps. You want to bless their life. And Almighty God, it starts with that, Lord, by keeping you first in their life. God, give us, Lord, their complete attention. God, speak and record to their hearts this morning to realize how important these three words are, God, because, Lord, you are the one that's going to bless their life. Only you can satisfy the longing in their soul. Bless this message today, God, and then, Lord, bless the altar that, God, they would be complete surrender to you in this house, and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Keep God first. Keep God first. Amen. Thir- 37 uh, years ago, I remember standing at a, uh, a pulpit uh, at First Pentecostal Church, and I remember giving my graduation charge. Uh, uh, I was had to speak, and, uh, and Jacob, you can just leave it right there if you want. And uh, I, I remember speaking, uh, uh, having to give my high school graduation speech, and I remember I was, there was two big emotions going through me that night. And some of you, and so some of you all, you young people, we think, well, what in the world is they, has he got to say 37 years ago? Well, he can't relate to me. But when I was thinking about the things you're facing and I'm facing, the same enemy is the same one we face. We deal with the same problems. They just may look a little bit different today. So this is very important. I was thinking, I spoke uh, last weekend at uh, the graduation services at uh, London Christian Academy where I graduated. And I, and I was praying about, and this, this is some of the stuff that I gave them, but I felt like, man, we need, our youth needs the same thing. I was praying, God, what can I say to them? And I was thinking of all the things I could say, this will help you, uh, this will help you move forward, this will help you uh, be successful, this will help you and all these, but there is, th- this, this three words takes care of it all. And I was thinking, if I was standing there at that pulpit, and that, that day when someone was speaking to me, now looking at my life 37 years later, what would I want someone to say to me now? What would I want someone to say to me now that after the knowledge? And so we have experience after we've, been, and I think that all of you all that are older would be able to say, Lord, that is the most important thing. Keep God first. Seems simple. I remember that saying that I've just, it's branded in my mind. Don't know where I got it from. It's an easy statement to hear and to say, but a hard thing to do. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing, right? He's the main thing. It's, it's the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And so I, I wanted to encourage you because I was sitting there that night and I remember standing behind that pulpit 
and I was trying to talk. My voice was quivering. I didn't like being in front of a bunch of people. And that's kind of funny now, isn't it? I did not like to be behind a pulpit. And so I was scared to get up there. When I got up there, there was two things. One, there was excitement because now I've come to the end of my, uh, uh, I've, I've finished the course. I've, I've finished my required work. I'm now getting ready in a few weeks to be 18 years of age. I'm going to be considered an adult. I'm getting ready to move into college. I'm getting ready to move on into things in my life, and I'm going to be making my own decisions and so forth. And that seemed exciting a little bit. It sounded pretty exciting. So I'm excited. I'm standing there excited. Now I'm a man now. I'm getting ready to make my own decisions. But at the same time, that exact same thing made me scared to death because I thought, wait a minute, I'm getting ready to make my own decisions. And what is that going to turn out to be? But I remember thinking I was so glad I had a gown on because my knees were quivering and I didn't want anybody to see that. So I remember. So I was shaking on the outside and I actually was shaking a little on the inside because I thought, what now? And so when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how important it is the young people that's in our church today. That in the next seven to ten years probably, you're going to make almost every important decision in your life. You're going to decide one, you're going to decide for one thing, uh, are you going to college? If you are, where are you going to go to college? You're going to decide what your occupation is going to be. You're going to decide who you're going to marry, probably. Who you're going to marry. You may even have your family started in the next seven to ten years. Some of you parents are going, oh my goodness, that's a lot of stuff. But let me give you this. There's not one decision that's more important than all of these than whether you're going to serve God or not. Because you are like me, or maybe like me, that the reason that you've been in the house of God growing up, maybe as a parent, or a grandparent, or someone has encouraged you. When I was standing there uh, uh, looking at everyone, I realized at that moment that my life had been molded a lot by my parents. Now, it's a good thing. But my life was also being molded by my pastors that I'd have. They'd been molded by my Sunday school teachers that I'd have. And sadly to say, it had been molded a little bit by my friends that I'd had. And so that's, you've got to watch them a little bit. Yeah. And I could have, some of the other parents could have said that about me too. But I just wanted, I realized how important it is what's getting ready to happen. Because in the next few years, let me tell you what statistically happens. This is statistical. What happens to young people when they get out on their own, when they get out of the house, when they get in those upper teenage years, they start making decisions on their own and they start moving away from God. Statistically, most young people move away from God. It's a scary thing. At the very moment in your life when you need God more than anything else, it's when we move away from God. It's when we say, I got it. I'm 18. I can make all my decisions. I'm 17, I'm 19, I'm 20. I'm smart enough. Let me tell you something. I've realized, I realized in my 30s, looking back, thought I kept looking at my 20s saying, you were an idiot when you was 20. Why do you think you can make decisions? Well, I'm not saying you're an idiot. I'm saying I was an idiot. I didn't realize how stupid some of the things we are. And, but God's been involved in your life from the very beginning. So today we're going to look at some things that, just three things, besides three words, Keep God first. We're going to look at three things. If God's going to be number one in your life, three things to remember. Really easy. Keeping God first in your life requires that you, number one, trust God. You've got to trust God. That verse 5 starts out and says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. We have no problem saying, God, we trust you. But what if that decision went by saying trust? By the way, that word trust there is talking about confidence. Do you really have confidence in God that He knows what's best for you? 
What if what God is saying to you is contrary and says you shouldn't go that direction in your life? Then all of a sudden the question is, do you trust God or do you trust yourself? And so we need to realize today, here's one thing that's very important that we understand. There is only two voices speaking to you. Yes, we got parents and teachers and other things. There's only two things drawing us in our life. It is God or the enemy of our soul. God or the enemy of our soul. And many times that enemy of our soul makes it look like it's all pleasure and joy and, 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 and good things. But on the other side of that is destruction and pain and sometimes even death. So the question here is do you trust God with your life. You're going to face this. And some of you may already be doing this now. You're making decisions in your, even in your own mind. Do you trust God? Are you going to serve God with all your life? Is God going to be the one help making the decisions of your life? Or are you just waiting for the moment you can do it yourself? Because I can tell you, I wish I could say I didn't have scars, but I thought I was smart. I thought I had it under control. I thought I could make some right decisions myself. And almost every single one of those, they are ones I would like to say, Lord, please help me get back to where I should have been. But it says, trust God with all thine heart. Solomon is a young man writing these. This, this book of Proverbs is attributed to Solomon. Solomon was a wise king. He wasn't always that way. In fact, he was raised up in a godly home. He raised up under his father, David, who had poured into this young man. And he knew that he was going to ascend. And, when, and he, he gave him wise counsel. We're going to look at some of that. But Solomon was realized as he stepped out of his young life and his father got older and Solomon was going to step into the throne, he realized he'd seen the good example of his dad. And his dad had it, it seemed like he had it completely under control. His dad was a mighty warrior. His, his father was loved by everybody, and he was someone that even other nations were fearful of. And what was the thing about his dad? His dad had a heart for God, and he trained him up. And so now Sam, uh, Solomon's going to take the throne, and wisely Solomon realized he's insufficient. He wasn't going to be able to do it. And that's the thing, best thing we can do in our life is realize you ain't got what it takes. You can't, you don't see what happens tomorrow. You don't see what happens today. We make decisions and only to end up in trouble because we didn't say, God, what do I need to do? God, direct my steps, direct my heart. Keep my eyes up on you. Trust is so important. I, I was reading an amazing story. I didn't get to see this. and You might be able to even YouTube it and find it. I was reading about this yesterday. Talking about trust, I mean, great example of trust. In the 1988 Winter Olympics, right before that came out, there was a television program that came out that was showing blind skiers on the slaloms. If you ever look, watch those, uh, uh, the Olympics and those slaloms, those skiers, I mean, I, I would be scared to death to do what they're, because it's not just going over a hill, maybe going around a tree or something. They're going over through trees, going around flags on, I mean, just on a dime. I mean, they're just moving down this hill. It's a danger, and they're moving at high rates of speed. This program was showing people that were blind that was able to go through those slalom courses. How did that happen? They took a group of people that were blind that was willing to do this, and they took them out on the low slopes when it was just barely enough slant, and they taught them with one person going with them right by their side, going down a hill, and they would teach them to turn. Can you imagine doing this blind? You're going down a hill, and you got some speed coming, and you're not knowing what's coming ahead of you, and they would say left, and they would teach them to turn left. Right, and they would teach them to do it on the very moment that they told them to make these turns. You've got to do it right then or certain destruction. You don't turn quick enough, there's a pine tree coming right at you. You've got to make that turn. Once they mastered them on this small course, they took them to the big slaloms. 
And this video showed these people that were absolutely 100% blind going over this course with someone going straight beside them. And all they were saying, left, right, straight, left, right. And they were following them just like this, exactly as they said it. And they finished the course completely. Didn't have one problem. So the thing was, you either trust the person that was telling you these commands or sudden destruction. Isn't there such a spiritual application in our lives to see that when our lives, that we trust God as a young age, we trust Him with little things. We trust Him with the little decisions of our life. Lord, where do I need to go to school? Lord, here's a, this is kind of a big one. Lord, who do I date? Who do I date? Do you think God has an opinion on who you date? Do you think He does? I'll tell you that right now. He does. And, and, it's, and God is God. I really believe, and I've told my kids this, you know, growing up, I believe that God's got the ultimate person. I mean, God knows your life, and He does wants the good things in your life. And I think it's just as He's growing you and He's working in your life, over here is somebody else that God wants to bless your life with, and God's working on them too. So I always pray for my kid, Lord, Lord, you work on that other one. You work on that, uh, that boy and that girl for my kids, and you, Lord, you keep your hand on them. Lord, you keep moving in them. Lord, you know what you're doing. And so we know that God has an opinion. So we learn to trust God with the little decisions of our life. And then when we get to the big ones later, when our hearts are, are, are overwhelmed with all the decisions we're making, then when God says left, we go left. When God says right, we go right. When God says stop, we stop. We learn to trust God. Why? Because we can trust Him. We can put our confidence in Him. I remember God helping me. We can trust God with the decisions of our life. We can. I remember working a job. I hate it. Is that hostess cakes? You all remember me being a hostess cake guy? I hated that job. I did that for eight years. I needed that job, but I needed the insurance. I needed the money. I hated it. I'm sorry. It was good. thank God for it because He blessed me with it. It paid the bills. But I'm telling you what, I got to the place for years. I was ready to go. I was ready. Lord, I, I dreaded it. My vacations were horrible. I, I, I look, all I could make it was just get into that vacation. Halfway through the vacation, I realized it's half over. And I couldn't enjoy the second half because it's half over. So I hate it. But I was sitting there, and, and, and I, I, some of you all remember this. I, 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 needed a, I wanted another job, but I didn't want to take the wrong job. I didn't want to take the job that was going to cause me to make a mistake because I realized then I got a family now. And if I make the wrong mistake, I, they're going to suffer. So I was scared to make the wrong one. I was like, God, you've got to help me. And it seemed like it wasn't happening very quickly. In our church, we started a men's prayer meeting. I never had a job in my whole life. I got on Saturdays, off on Saturdays. I always worked on Saturdays. Mom and Dad always said, make sure you don't work on church day. But I had, that means I had to work on Saturdays, so I worked. I hated working on Saturdays. But I did. So I remember I was working that job, I had to work on Saturdays. So the church started a men's prayer meeting on Saturdays. Well, I was like, Lord... Now, you know you want in that man's prayer meeting. Lord, you need to give me another job. Lord, well, you got to take care of this. Within a few days, I was in, a, I was in one of those stores I was working, and some guy that uh, my, my, current, my current boss said, Hey, Hacker, why don't you quit that job and come work full-time for me? And I said, How much are you going to pay me, Smith? And he'd give me a number, and I said, you're serious? And he said, yes, come over here. Well, the Lord answered that prayer. Why? Because I said, Lord, you are the one that's going to have to open the door. I didn't even have to go ask for anybody. I didn't have to put in one application. God opened a door. God cares about the decisions of your life. He'll do it. God cares about your relationships. I was thinking about how beautiful. Listen, you think it's tough to make decisions on your own. Imagine trusting your parents, not even your parents, but some servant to go pick out your future husband or wife. Can you imagine that? I was thinking about Abraham who sent... His, uh, who sent his uh, servant to go out and pick a, pick a bride for Isaac. Yeah. 
Man, I can imagine the stress that Isaac was going on. What's this guy? He's probably half blind. What's he going to bring back for me as my wife? But let me tell you something. God cared about that decision. And that, that servant said, Lord, you're going to have to direct my steps. And boy, did he direct it. And when he brought home Rebecca, my goodness, it said from the very beginning, his little heart was pitter-patter, pitter-patter. He loved her. Oh, my goodness. What an amazing thing. And so God cares about the decisions of your heart more than you. You can trust him with your future. You can trust him with your future. God is already in your future. God's already past your future. And so we know that God plans your future. He's already in your future. He plans to bless your future if you trust him. And he will provide for you in your future. God has got your heart. God is working on you before your first cell started dividing. God was already at work and knew you. God's already got a plan for your life. You can trust God. Second half of that verse talking about trust, it says in the second half of verse 5, it says, And lean not unto thine own understanding. Lean not on the, unto thine own understanding. It says don't put weight on what you think. Right. How many times could you, how many here could this morning say, I've learned that lesson, amen, that's true. <laughs> don't lean on what you think looks right. Because what you think looks right will, all, uh, will suddenly turn into something that you regret and you'll, make, you'll have scars in your life. It's talking about something you can put your full weight upon. There's only one that you can put your full weight upon, and that's God himself. He never fails. His hand never gets weak. He never forgets you. He never fails you. Others will fail you, but you can't lean on your own understanding. Your, your, your will, your desires, what you think looks right. If you make decisions based on these eyes, you're in trouble, I can tell you right now. What looks right, this plan works out in your own mind. The enemy causes us to choose things that look good. What happened in the garden, it looked good. With the eyes, it looked like a good thing. And there was a convincing going on from the enemy. And they're saying, say, just take it. Don't it look good? And they chose that. And we're still suffering for it today. So don't do things based on what you see. But do things on who you can lean on. And that's Christ. I've told you all this before, but it's my best example of learning what you can lean on and what you can't. We had a team building exercise, and, and if any of you all know, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for putting this up, I, I have, I have a, I, I have a, uh, I won't say it. I won't do it. I won't get in trouble. We had our officers of our company. We were doing a team building exercise, and so we hired this company to come in, and they came in to try to build, you know, a team. And one of the things they said we need to do in a team. Now I was, I was bigger than I am now at this point, and uh, one of the things they got us to do, they took us to the park, and they wanted to te teach us to lean on each other. And their way to teach us that was, if you ever done the nest tee plunge in a pool, maybe you'd fall back and you don't bend your knees and see if you can hit the water and don't bend it. It's, it takes a lot of nerve to do that even in a pool. But they wanted us to do that on concrete with another person. The person they paired me up with was the weakest individual in our officer team. I'm the biggest. This guy's the smallest. And this guy, I knew he wasn't going to catch me. I knew I was going to be in a wheelchair the rest of my life because I knew. And so over and over, we did this. You can do it. Come on, you can do it. He's going to get you. And I'm supposed to, I wouldn't get two inches hardly back. My leg had to go back. Why? I knew I couldn't put no weight on him. I knew I couldn't trust him. Now, he might have done it, but I couldn't take the chance on it. There was too much risk at it. Isn't that the way sometimes we are with God? Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. 
I want to trust you. I want to just fall back and let you have my life. But Lord, you may not do what I want you to do. You may not give me the joy I'm looking for. Let me tell you something. The temporary pleasures and the joy that the world throws before you looks good with the naked eye. But there is a price to pay on the other side. There is scars. There is a shipwrecked heart. There is marriages. There is children's lives destroyed. Why? Because we do what looks good. We do what feels good. We do what our eyes tells us, but we have to learn to lean on Him because He's the one that cares for your soul. He's the only one you can depend on Him. So we need to first, you've got to learn to trust. Amen? You've got to learn to trust. Amen? So well, let me, you, sometimes you don't want to trust. I'm, I'm getting ready to move to point two here. These other ones are shorter, but I was just reading a, such a sad, sad story of someone who trusted too much in himself. I was reading back, and I remember, some of you all remember this event, 1999. John F. Kennedy Jr. He was a pilot. And, but he had never been completely trained on how to get his certification in flying with his instruments only. He was visually had to learn how to, he flew visually. He had a wedding that he was going to and he was flying from New York down into his uh, home area in Massachusetts and so they needed to leave for that wedding. It was him, his wife and her sister. So they couldn't leave earlier because there was a storm that had moved through. And so they held him up until it was already dark. He decided that he would just go on. I guess he determined that we're going to be late if we wait till tomorrow. He should have waited till the next day. So it's getting dark and he launches off out of that airport. He gets out over the water flying. And it gets dark and now he can't see anything. He can only see reflection of the moon off of the water. And he crashed on the way. He never made it to the other side. And all three of them died. When they did the investigation from this, they couldn't find a malfunction with the plane. They determined the report was that he obviously relied on his eyes, something he thought he seen, instead of looking at his instruments. His instruments were telling him that he was in a dive, but he couldn't. He was looking for his eyes, and he trusted his eyes over what he was being told. And he crashed, and he died. In our lives, we have the Holy Spirit speaking to us and drawing us and saying, don't go that direction. Don't do that. You're going into a dive. You're getting ready to make a shipwreck with your life. Don't do it. And we say, I trust myself more than I do God. And so we today, we need to learn that we need, if we're going to actually make him first in life, you've got to trust him. Number two, trust in keeping God first in your life requires also that you seek God. What am I talking about? It says in this first of verse 6, In all thy ways acknowledge him. That word acknowledge there is the word know him. That word there is talking about an intimate relationship with God. It's talking about you, you, you and your, your wife knows you better than anybody. You know your wife. And we, we, have our, we have these relationships to where we get to know everything about something. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Well, God, it's all good. But we, it's talking about here that in every area of your life, you should be so close to God that you know what he wants you to do. Every area of your life, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. Get his wisdom for your life. David gave this counsel to his son Solomon. We see that in 1 Chronicles 28, 9, he tells about it. Here's what he says that his dad said. He says, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect, a complete heart, and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts, and understanding understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. 
If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. What is he saying? Son, seek God with all your heart. You need to give God, because God knows every thought that we think. God knows every desire. God knows every plan. God knows every little facet of our heart. And he's telling him to seek God first. Why do you think that when Solomon ascended to the throne, the first thing he did was like, God, I'm not able to do it. Lord, you've got to come with me. God, you've got to bless me. And he gives an incredible sacrifice. Why? God, I need you. He started out right. Oh, he started out right. And some of you young people, you've started out right. You've been praying and you're getting in the altar and so forth. So I encourage you to keep that up. But we're going to keep looking into his life a little bit later. But Saul is being, or Samuel is being told by his father, put God first. Seek him with your life because he knows every detail of your heart. This is talking about seeking God's will for every decision you make, not just the ones that you want him to fix are the ones that you think he'll give you the answer you're looking for. Every decision you make, put God first. Seek his will. God, tell me what to do. You see, his father David would go to battle and he would sit there and he would have the men, he would have the resources. He knew he probably could handle the battle, but he would sit there and say, God, what do I do? Do I, do I charge after him? What do I do? You wait until you hear the sound in the mulberry trees, the moving and the sound of the mulberry. Then you charge. What? God gave him deliverance. Why? He obeyed him. He sought his will, his desire. God, they've taken us. They've taken away everything in Gilgal. What, can, what am I going to do? What do I do, God, or Ziklag? And what am I going to do, Lord? Do I pursue them? Pursue, and thou shalt recover off. Why? David sought God for everything he did. And the times in his life that he's got the scars is the ones he did without asking God first. And so in my life, and some of you all's life, you could say, amen, you need to learn that. Listen, this, this is so important. You can hear this, but I don't want you to later say, I should have heard it. I should have listened. I just want to encourage you today. Put God first by trusting him. Put God first by seeking him. And now's the time to seek God. Now's the time. One of the biggest mistakes you could ever make is saying that I'm going to seek God when I get married. I'm going to seek God when I get my own home. I'm, I'm, I'm going to seek God with all my heart when I finally get my job lined out. No, you seek God now because the enemy, listen, the same exact, the enemy is out there uh, trying to deceive and to try to lead you away from the things of God. You won't ever do it later. You will only do, the only thing that saved me, the only thing that helped me is that I got a hold of God early in my life. And when it came to those times when I was actually being pulled away, it caused, I came back because of what God did in my life as a young person. And I encourage you, don't have scars. Don't make mistakes because the majority of my friends, the majority of my friends is not in the house of God today. The ones that I went to school with, the ones I went to college with, some of them's already in eternity. And most of those people, most of them in my graduating class, they're not even in the house of God today. They're not even there. They was raised upright. They had made a commitment. They was in the same uh, youth service as I was. They was praying and crying and going to camp and everything else. But they got away from putting God first, and now they were casualties. Don't d believe the lie. You'll do it later. Do it now. Finally. So we see that we need to trust God. We see we need to seek God. Finally, we're going to look at this. If you're really going to keep God first in your life, you know what else is required? You've got to follow God. He, you, can, you can hear all the good things that he says. To, you can sit here today and hear good wisdom, not from me, from the word of God. You can hear what God says to you, but the question is, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to follow it? Are you going to live it? Are you really going to do what he tells you to do? Or are you just going to say, ah, I'm just going to do it my way? Verse 6 ends up saying, and he... 
shall direct thy path. Whose path is he going to direct? Those that put him first and trust him and seek him. And then he will lead you in your paths. God has promised. You know this word, direct thy paths. If you look at its meaning, it's actually not talking about just pointing direction. It's saying that God, His will in your life is to reach down and take the obstacles out of your life that's going to cause you to take curves and, and to have to take a long way. God looks at your life and He says, if you listen to me and follow me, I'm going to reach into your life. I'm going to reach in and pull those obstacles out of your life so that you can get to the destination that I have for you. Because what we do is we try to do it our way and all we do is take wrong paths. We cause ourselves to miss out on the things that God wants to do. God wants to work in your life. Psalms 37 tells us the, the, uh, what a good man does. It says in uh, verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered. God's got them and ordered out. And he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. So God has planned out our lives. God has got a perfect plan for your life. If you'll just trust Him, if you'll just let Him help you make these decisions, if you'll just keep Him in the forefront of your life, if you'll keep Him in the forefront of your relationships, if you'll keep Him in the forefront of your decisions, the forefront of your family, the forefront of everything you do, then God says, I'm going to be the one that goes with you. I've ordered your steps. I've got a perfect plan for you if you'll listen to me. And I'm gonna, you're going you're gonna to love it, is what He's saying. And He delighteth in His way. You're going to love what I've got for you. No, does that mean you'll never have a problem? No. No, but what does he promise? He gives you a promise there too. He says, though he fall, you're going to stumble every once in a while. You're going to make a mistake. But what God said, you fall in what I'm telling you to do. Here's what's going to happen. You ain't going to be utterly cast. You ain't going to be destroyed. Other people's going to be destroyed, but not you. Why? What is, how to, why are we not going to be destroyed? For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. God's got his hand around you. Let me tell you something right now. If God's got his hand around you, there ain't one thing the devil can do to you. But the devil trembles at God. And when God's hand's around you, just like, what did he say about Job? I can't even get to him, God. Why? Your hand's around him. Why was God's hands around Job? Because Job was following the Lord. Job was putting him number one in his life. And God had such a hedge around him that he had devil had to get permission to even get through the gate. And that's what God's promised the children, the young people, the young adults, and, and those moving on in their life. He's promised today that if you put him first... That he's going to uphold you and keep his hand around you. So you can, oh man, let me take God's promise that, that, that he's going to work and move in your life. But here's the question. You, will you trust him? Will you seek him? Well, how about will you follow him? Because when he gives us direction, sometimes we know what he says to do. But we go another way. It's not convenient, God. You don't understand. I'm, I'm a young person. I want to sow my oats. I want to do what I want to do. I want, there's friends that's calling me, and, and, it, and, and, and I think I've got it under control. I think I can handle this. How many scars have people got? How many people's lives have been shipwrecked? And that's the exact same they think, thing that the enemy comes. See, the same enemy 37 years ago is the same enemy you all face today. And the ones that was before me, the same enemy that was there is the same one I faced. So, no, I'm older, and some, and some of these people are older than you, but we face the same enemy. And so we can learn today. So if you can hear something from someone who's been in your shoes and, and, and looking back, I just want to tell you, keep God first. Keep God first. And so today as we close, it's, it wouldn't be right if we didn't finish the course with Solomon because he started wonderful. I mean, he started out phenomenal. And we 
he gave that sacrifice. God blessed him more than any of us. Boy, we just, we'd love to see that, what he did for him. He blessed him financially. I was thinking about how much wisdom he had and his finances. I was thinking that he had, his finances was such, and he had such wisdom to create things that people all over the world came to see what he created. I was thinking Elon Musk. Boy, he, he would love to have known Solomon because he, he does some pretty amazing things, but he didn't come even close to what Solomon could do. And I was thinking that Einstein probably had Solomon's poster in his bedroom because of his wisdom. Einstein didn't have anything on Solomon. Solomon had more wisdom. Solomon had wealth. Solomon had all the things this world had to offer. He had peace. God even gave him peace with the nations around him. But all the prosperity and all the things, he somehow slipped away from the things that he had started. And somewhere down the line, he didn't keep God first. How do we know that? We see that he also is attributed to have written the book of Ecclesiastes in the very opening verses of the book. The first verse, uh, first two verses of Ecclesiastes, here's what the summary of his life looking back. He's in the rear view mirror. He's now looking back and he's telling us, giving us counsel. His life is later in life. And here's what he says, the words of the preacher. He's saying here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a sermon today. He said, who is this talking? He says, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. What's he want to say? Number two, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. You see, he got somewhere down the road. He took his eyes off God. And he started looking at himself. And he started enjoying the pleasures of the world. And he started letting other things in his heart that shouldn't be there. And now with regret, the man who gave us such wisdom in the beginning of this sermon today is the very one who now looks back and says, but let me give you a warning. Here's what happens when you get away from that. This word vanity here actually means meaningless. Meaningless. And then he says at the very end, when he says it's vanity of vanities, he's saying it's utterly Meaningless. Everything that he had accomplished, all the things that he had turned away from God to accomplish in his life, he now looks at what he sacrificed and he says to you, it is meaningless. All the things that I accomplished without God means nothing. I wasted it. I wasted my life. And we don't want that to be the case. That doesn't have to be your case. So you're, you're still being written. You're, your hope is still there. You still have opportunity. And you don't have to come to the end of your life and look back and say, it's meaningless. It's wasted. It's, it's destruction. I wish I'd have listened because I started right. You can start right and be wonderful. But will you finish right? Will you hear these words? Will you follow what God has to say? Will you keep Him first in your life? Will you trust Him? Will you seek Him? And finally, will you follow Him? Is He number one in your life? So this morning, that's the challenge I'm giving you, young person, and everyone that's here. Some of us is maybe older, and we still need to hear this. I, I, I challenge myself. It's not over until it's over. So right now, we can, we can get back on the path by saying what? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And what is the main thing? Keep God first. Keep God first. So in our life, if we judge ourselves through the lens of that, uh, that charge this morning, is God number one? Is He number one in your home? Is He number one in your activities? Is He number one in your family? 
you number one in your decisions? Is he number one in your finances? Every area of your life, is he number one? Because the blessing that he promised for those that do that and follow that is he's going to go with you. His hand's going to be on you. And his hand is going to bless you. And when you get to the end of your life, you'll say, oh, Lord, it's blessed. They're following you. It's so blessed. And you'll step right into eternity excited because he was there the whole time. How many of you older ones can say this is true? This is true. This is true. It's the truth. It's the truth. I, 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 the reason I'm saying it, I was thinking, what can I say that I wish I'd have heard? What can I say that I wish I would have heard? And it, not that it would never had been said. I just wish I'd heard it more clearly. And so God wanted to put this, wants to put his hand upon your life. If you'd stand this morning. Amen. We're not, we're not even going to have the piano this morning. I want to reserve uh, everybody this morning. I'll explain here in just a minute. But before we, before we, before we pray over these young people, because we want to pray over them, I want you to bow your head this morning just, just, just for a moment because I definitely don't want to miss this opportunity to do this. Just with your head bowed and your eyes closed. I'm the only one looking around. I just want to ask you, there could be you here today that you be honest and say, listen, I, God's not first in my life. God's not first. He may not even be second. I need him to be first. I've been running from him. And this morning I feel him tugging on my heart. I feel him hugging on my heart and I want prayer I want someone to pray I'm not going to embarrass you I just want you to raise your hand and say pray for me brother so I'll know to pray this morning if that's you I see that anybody else this morning saying I feel God tugging on my heart I feel God moving I feel God drawing yes I see that anyone else this morning I want to give God all my heart I want him to have every day I want him to help me make my decisions I want this and I'm trying to do it and I'm miserable yes I see that I, I, I want God to have his way. I want God to have his way. Just for another few moments this morning, God's drawing. God's spirit is here. And he's saying, I want to have all of you. I want to move. I want to work. This morning, pray for me. Amen. Amen. Sister Priscilla, I've changed my mind. We don't, we don't, if you don't care just to come. This morning, I, let me pray this morning that God would move in this house. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord, that your spirit is here moving and drawing. God, I thank you that you love us. God, before we take our first breath, you know us. You know us intimately, Lord, before we are even born. And God, you plan out our life. And God, you have a, such wonderful things you want to do. God, you're the one here this morning with your spirit drawing. And God, the reason you're drawing, you're saying, I want to do mighty things in your life. I want to give you the joy you're longing for. I want to give you contentment. I want to be the one to direct your steps. I want to be the one to hold you when you're hurting. I want to be the one that will give you strength strength and peace and satisfaction that only I can give. And Lord, the enemy's trying to draw them and it looks so uh, appealing, Lord, until you taste and see. And God, I pray that you would break down strongholds this morning. God, the lies that the enemy, the chains that he puts on our mind, the things that attracts us, Lord. Lord, there could be those even in this house this morning that's just buying their time, waiting for their chance 
to step out into these things that, God, we know will bring shipwreck to their life. God, open their eyes this morning. Lord, let young people be in this house this morning that they surrender this moment. Lord, make a commitment that is never going to change that says, God, you're number one in my life. And, God, you help me, and I will keep you number one in my life because I want you to bless me. I want you to lead me. God, that's what we want. Lord, we love these young people. Lord, but you love them more than we do. God, you love them more than even the parents or their grandparents. Seems unfathomable, but it's true. God, you love them. And God, that's the reason you're drawing them even today. You want to do a work. But God, it starts by stepping out, Lord, and putting our faith and confidence in you, seeking you, Lord. And then when you touch us, we want to follow you. And God, we want you to move in this service.